following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. The Sermon on the Mount. Now you can hear me. And uh, we are looking at a group of four Beatitudes. We broke them down when we first introduced this. These first four describe people who are dependent upon the Lord. Question on the floor this night, uh, this morning, is what's the hungriest that you've ever been? When was there a time in your life when you experienced a hunger pain so severe that it was the only thing that you could think about? Uh, it's obvious that in our world today, uh, as world population continues to go, starvation uh, and hunger is a severe problem. But here in the good old United States of America, the land of plenty, uh, it seems like food is an obsession with some people. We have the Food Channel. We have cooking shows. Uh, we have people posting pictures of their meals on social media constantly just to let you know what they're having for supper that night. And uh, there are three words that my wife does not like to hear from me. Uh, and now that I know that she doesn't like them, I make it a habit of saying them at just the right time. Most of the time it's in the morning. I've just gotten through eating my bowl of cereal for breakfast and I'll ask her what's for supper. <laughs> and she'll just roll her eyes at me. Why are you thinking about that? All right. Because it has to be thought of at some point in time. You have to prepare these things. You have to know in advance the way, I mean, do I need anything from the store? Do I need to start something? Or that's just something that I think about. I, I plan ahead of time. I don't wait till the last, I know that at the last minute you'll get ready to cook something. You'll say, oh, I'm out of this or I'm out of that. You got to run to the store and then you're 7 30, 8 o'clock late at night by the time you get everything ready. So some people in this world, uh, they eat to live. Uh, people in other countries, I mean, they're always looking for something because they need that nourishment. They just don't have food in their pantry like we have. Some people eat to live, but there are some people that do live to eat. That's all they think about. And so depending on what's going on in our life, there are certain medical procedures that uh, you will abstain from some foods. Uh, there are some foods that you will focus on depending on what your blood work may be out of. If you're high in sugar, you won't avoid the glucose. Maybe you're a diabetic, you avoid the sweets. Maybe you have high sodium, you deal with uh, issues like that. You have to abstain from salty foods. Maybe you have high cholesterol, uh, you try to avoid the fatty foods. In our house right now, uh, the gun show happens all the time, so protein is a big deal in our house. I mean, we have big jugs of protein shakes, protein mix, protein bars. Every meal that we look at, how much protein is it? Protein, protein, protein. From the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, every meal is focused on protein. And there are some medical procedures, depending on the nature of the procedure. Uh, they'll want you to not eat anything the day before, uh, just avoid any nausea or complications by that. Uh, there are some procedures where uh, they want to make sure that everything is thoroughly cleaned out of your body, depending on the nature of the procedure. I was 50 years old one time. I had to have one of those procedures. No solid food the day before, clear liquid diet, chicken broth, that is not a meal for me. Uh, no uh, dark liquids, no purple, no red, nothing with dye in it. And to top it off, they give you this drink that makes sure everything is clear. And whoever named that drink, that person has a very twisted sense of humor. Go lightly. 
<laughs> nothing but that nothing could be further from the truth. So food has a, a big, big part in our life. Uh, drink also has a big, big part in our life. We have to stay hydrated. Uh, there are sports drinks. There are fruit drinks. There are drinks all throughout uh, the grocery store. Shelves are full of them. So Jesus focuses on this next beatitude on something that he was familiar with. It was something that he could relate to. God in the flesh, he had a human nature. Uh, he had to eat, he had to drink, he experienced hunger, he experienced thirst. Uh, last week when he looked at his temptation in this wilderness for 40 days, he did not eat anything. It doesn't say he didn't drink anything. And according to uh, science, it says that our body can't last as long as two months without eating anything, as long as you drink something. But the longest you can last without water is about three days and your body will be completely dehydrated. And so Jesus experienced both of these. It says that after 40 days, he was hungry. So that was the first temptation that Satan brought to him. He said, if you are the son of man, command these stones to be turned to bread. And he said, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And even when he was on the cross, some of his last final words as he hung there between heaven and earth, Bearing the sins of mankind, he said, I thirst. So these two natural responses from our body to what we need and as far as nourishment goes, hunger and thirst, is something that Jesus was familiar with. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at the first four of these Beatitudes. Uh, dealing with someone who is totally dependent upon the Lord. Let's all stand out of honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God. The reading of the Word of God together as a congregation, this is part of our worship, just as uh, all these other things that we do, this, the, the, the offering that we took up, the songs of praise, everything from beginning to end, uh, even the reading of God's Word, is part of our worship. And here Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount, and it says, In seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and he was seated... His disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So the question on the floor this morning is this. What are you pursuing in your life as far as godliness goes? Are you pursuing after righteousness? Are you hungering and thirsting right now for the things of God? Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning. Thank you so much for your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you for these words, Lord God. We thank you for um, pointing us in the direction of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord God, that we can't obtain true righteousness on our own. It is only through Jesus' atonement, his death on the cross, that we can have his righteousness alone, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're going to do during this service, Lord God. I pray that you would impart to us some spiritual truth. I pray that you'll speak through me, Lord God, the things that I need to say and help me to not say the things that don't need to be said this morning, Lord God. And as we look at your word, let it be embedded on our heart, let it guide our path. 
and just help us to see you as we look at our struggle to do what is right for you. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Joseph Stowell, in his book, Fan the Flames, that quote that is at the bottom of your outline there, it says, Biblical righteousness does not begin with our preferences. God's righteousness is settled and authoritative. God does not change his standards to conform to us. His standards are the expression of what is right. And our behavior becomes righteous as we come into alignment with them. So today in your life, the things that you are pursuing after, the things that you are hungering and the things that you are thirsting after, the things that you crave more than anything else, are they drawing you closer to the Lord or are they pushing you further away? Are are they making you become more like Jesus or less like Jesus? So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot about personal transformation. That's what this whole concept of sanctification is about. When you make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're going to say, I'm going to be a follower of his. It is at that moment that you are justified. Your sins are forgiven. You're washed in the blood of the Lamb like we sang about just a moment ago. That is just the beginning of a lifelong journey of transformation. It is at that point that you make that profession of faith that you're Uh, sanctification begins and it continues all throughout your life until you draw your final breath. God is constantly changing you, shaping you, and molding you into his image and to look like his son, Jesus Christ. So the first question we want to address deals with the fact that Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger. Are you spiritually malnourished? The word hunger here in the original language means to desire strongly. Do you hunger after righteousness? Do you desire righteousness in your life? Are you practicing things daily that will bring godliness into your life? So as I mentioned earlier, the human body can survive without food and water for only seven days. But some people seem to think that the the human body can go for a couple of months without food as long as it has water as well. But now just think about it like this. Without food for seven days, what if you don't have any spiritual food for seven days? What if this morning, Sunday morning, is the only time that you have any spiritual nourishment in your life? Will you make it that long? Will you make it until a week from now? Or is that something that you pursue after each and every single day? None of us here in this building, none of us here listening through social media, nobody within the sound of my voice would only eat one meal this week. Most of the times we're eating two or three meals a day to maintain strength and nourishment in our body. So when you look at it in a spiritual aspect, why would you only feast on God's word this morning and then wait until next Sunday morning to feast on it again? What do you think is going to happen? You're going to grow weak. 
Seven days equals one week, and seven days without God's word makes one week. They're not strong. So Jesus gives us that nourishment that we need each and every day. John 6.35, if you want to write it down, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Are you hungry today? Is this the first full meal that you've had all week long, coming here and taking in the milk of God's word? Or is that something that you consume frequently? I'm not saying that one day is the limit on it. I'm saying as much as possible, as much as you need. Just as each and every one of us here, uh, we require different amounts of calories, different amounts of nourishment. A little child is not going to require the same amount of calories or nourishment throughout the day as I would need. If you need to feed on God's word, if there's something you're struggling with and you want to be stronger in your spirit, the more of God's word you take in, the stronger you're going to be. And the less of God's word that you take in, the weaker you are going to be. So not only does he say blessed are those who hunger, but he also says blessed are those who thirst. Are you spiritually dehydrated? Is your soul thirsty for something that only God can provide? It's very, very unique that these two words that Jesus uses, thirst and hunger, mean basically the same thing in the original Greek language. The word hunger means to desire strongly, and so does the word thirst as well. What is it that you are desiring right now more than anything else? The human body, some say, can survive for around two months with water only and no food. However, with no water at all, it will only last for three days and will start showing signs of dehydration. Everything will just begin to start shutting down in your body. Jesus said in John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, if you want to write that down, he said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That particular scripture that he was referring to is Jeremiah 2.13. Hungering and thirsting are appetites that require frequent satisfaction. I like to drink coffee, but my wife tells me that coffee will actually cause dehydration if you drink too much of it. You have to drink almost twice as much water to rehydrate your body from what the caffeine and the coffee tends to remove. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. That's just what I've heard. That's just what I've been told. Uh, so I'm constantly trying to drink as much water. I, I don't drink as much as I should. But your body, after a while, if, if you're working out, uh, if you're doing certain things, your body will, your mouth will get dry. You'll begin to thirst. Your body just naturally craves that after something that will rehydrate and replenish what you have lost. Hungering and thirsting, but it is all about choices. Sometimes we choose to be hungry. Sometimes we choose to overeat. Sometimes we choose to go without water. It's a bad habit that we get into. But it's all about the choices that we make. Some people are always looking for a good diet plan to follow. I've learned that not only does exercise benefit your body, but you've got to couple up that exercise with a good 
healthy nutrition plan. If you want to maintain weight, lose weight, if there's certain things in your body that you're really wanting to focus on, like I mentioned, around our house right now, it's all about protein. Uh, we're trying to remove the fat. We're trying to place it with muscle. Uh, we're trying to make those muscles grow larger. We know that the more protein that we take into our body, the more we're going to feed those certain areas of our body, our muscles in particular. No matter what your goal is, it's all about making choices. A person with diabetes, they have to choose. I, I can't eat that sweet, sugary stuff. It will not be good for me. It's all about making choices. And so the same rule applies to our walk with the Lord. You have to be intentional with your choices. What choices are you making right now? Are you going to remain malnourished and dehydrated? I I want a stronger body here. I want a stronger congregation. And we're going to be making some steps over the next few months to strengthen those muscles and to make a stronger body here at First Baptist Church. Are you going to remain malnourished and dehydrated? It's a choice that you have to make. Or will you begin to hunger and thirst for the things that will make you stronger? Donald Whitney wrote a couple of books about that. One of them is uh, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. I highly recommend this. It has 10 significant questions that you can uh, ask yourself, and he'll guide you through those. This other one is called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. We actually have uh, many of these ordered. We're going to make those available to you. My next sermon series will probably be based out of that. But in that, he gives guidelines for things like Bible intake, prayer, fasting, witnessing, all of the spiritual disciplines that will make you stronger as a Christian. And in this book, he talks about Bible intake and how important it is. And here's his quote. He says, no spiritual discipline, listen real close to this, no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. In your life, you may have different foods that you can substitute for others. Tofu is not a good substitute for any type of food. I'm sorry about that. It doesn't taste the same. It doesn't have the same texture. It doesn't look the same. It is not just, but there are some, uh, they're trying to do, uh, plant-based meats right now. That's an oxymoron. It don't work. It's not a good substitute. When I want a, a hamburger patty, I want it to be made out of hamburger, not, uh, some herb or plant. But Donald Whitney says this. He says, there is nothing that can substitute an intake of God's word. And he goes on to say there is simply not a health, there is simply not a healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and meat from the scripture. End quote. So it all boils down to decisions that we make. If we got any of my little helpers here, uh, I got another demonstration that I want to use in for. Let me have all the kids down here, uh, front and center again to help me out with this one. I don't know if I got my microphone up here anymore or not, but y'all come see me for just a minute. Sometimes they get to make decisions on their own. Sometimes you make the decisions for them as parents, as guardians, uh, parents and grandparents. Sometimes our, no, it's okay. I don't, 
But most of the times in our house and our pantries, the things that we stock are going to be what we really, really like, our favorite foods. Sometimes they have nutritional value. Sometimes they fill us up. Sometimes they don't. Now, probably every one of you here have something that you really, really like to eat, don't you? Maybe you have something that is your favorite breakfast. Maybe it's something that's your favorite lunch to bring to school. What is your fa- If you could have any food, if you could have right now, what would you want to eat? Salad. Is he for real? No? Okay. You're not lying to me, are you? You would rather have a salad than pizza? You're not helping out my demonstration here at all. If you could have any meal that you wanted right now, what would you want to eat? Huh? Okay. What? Pizza. Pizza? What would you want to eat right now? I don't know. You don't know? Wait, I'm, I'm going to put you to the test here in just a minute. You just hold on. You don't have a favorite meal? Mm. Salad. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal is cereal for breakfast. Okay. Well, I'm going to put you to the test here. I'm going to give you a choice to make. One by one, I want you to make a choice. Does anybody like cake? You, well, you told me you like salad. See, I'm on to you now. Well, come over here. We're going to let you make a choice. You think I got a cake under here? No. No, there's something under here. So I'm going to let you choose something off of this platter. Anything you want, but you can only have one, okay? What do you think's under here? All right, you're going to go first, and when you make your choice, you can go sit back, okay? And you can't eat it until the service is over. You ready? All right, you ready to choose which one you want? Any of those that you want, you can have. Don't touch it unless you're going to take it. Which one you want? Pick one, quick, 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 quick. Quick, 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 quick. All right. That's not a salad, by the way. All right, which one you want? Quick, quick, quick. You took the apple, okay. Which one you want? Quick, 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 quick. No, you're pulling my leg. Do you even know what that is? No, it's not a cucumber. No. Which one you want? Quick, 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 quick. All right, which one you want? Quick, quick, quick. All right, you took the broccoli. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, thank y'all. Y'all can sit back down. <laughs> Give them a round of applause. So it was probably about 50-50. Uh, I think some of them were doing it just for show, but uh, their choices were some were healthy, uh, some were not healthy. Some will last them through the day. Some of them will cause a sugar rush, and their mom and dads will be uh, real upset with me after a while because they're not taking a Sunday afternoon nap. But most of them are quick and easy. They don't require any preparation, but there's no nutritional value to them whatsoever. And so it is with our life as well. We have choices that we have to make each and every day. And let me tell you, having a quiet time with the Lord is not easy. It's something you have to plan and prepare for. But if you want your spiritual 
body to grow stronger and stronger. It's something that you have to make the time to do, and you have to make an intentional choice to do it as well. Because if you don't, you will have no nutrition coming in whatsoever. No matter what choice you make, you wouldn't have any nutrition coming in whatsoever. So most of the times when people are struggling with sin in their life, that's the first thing I'm going to ask them is this. When's the last time you read your Bible? How often do you read your Bible? And how often do you pray? And most of the times they'll say, it's been a while since I read my Bible. Here's what D.L. Moody had to say about reading the Bible. He said, the word of God will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the word of God. It's your choice. You've got to be intentional about it. And your walk with Christ is going to be much much stronger the more time you spend in God's word. But it all comes down to a choice that you have to make. Are you hungering and thirsting after the things of God right now? And so the choice is yours. Do you have a plan in place? Tomorrow morning, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to start off with. Here's a devotion that I'm going to make. Every every day your life is filled with choices. You have to make business choices. Stress is a choice. Busyness is a choice. We're only as busy as we want to be. But also godliness is a choice. And transformation is a choice as well. Those who want a stronger physical body, they choose whether or not they go to the gym and work out to increase the size of their muscles. They choose whether or not to get on the treadmill to get their little cardio in. They choose not to get out, uh, whether or not they get out uh, and do walking. They choose whether or not they're going to right, eat the right thing and have proper nutrition to go along with that exercise plan. Some Christians also need to be force-fed. <laughs> they haven't figured out what is good for them and that they consume things that are detrimental to their spiritual health. Just like these little kids, sometimes we have to make a choice for them or else they'll just eat junk food all day long. And we have to provide them with those nutritional foods, the the, the squash, the zucchini, the, the broccoli. Um, they're not going to go out and get that on there. And we have to make those choices available to them. So here at this church, that's what we have to do is we have to make those choices available for you. Sunday school is a big, big, big part of that. I love seeing our Sunday school rooms thriving and full. I love our Sunday school teachers and what they do. They pray over their classes. They study. They prepare. They want to feed each and every person that is in their Sunday school class a good dose of God's word for the day. But most Christians are spiritually anemic. They are malnourished from lack of God's word. And a lot of times they have to be force-fed. Have you ever tried to feed a little baby when they weren't hungry? Or have you ever tried to feed a little baby when they know you got something on that spoon that they're not going to lie? You get that spoon close to them, what do they do? They turn their head, they'll spit it back out at you. You try all you can. You take the little spoon, you make the little airplane. Oh, the airplane's coming in for a landing. I want to get it. You try your best to get them to eat something that is good for them. But if they're not hungry or if they know it's going to be nasty, they're not going to want to eat it. And some Christians are like that. They just resist the things that are good for them, that they need. 
especially younger Christians, they don't understand the concept of having that nourishment each and every day. We, we've got a dog at our house. Uh, sometimes she has to have these antibiotic pills and they go on for 30 or 40 days at a time. Go in for a blood test and they determine whether or not they need. So when we first started giving them to her, we had all these little tricks trying to get, we'd take marshmallows and we'd roll them up and we'd toss a few empty marshmallows with no medicine in them, trying to trick her into it. And then finally the one with the pill come in. Somehow she caught on to that and she found a way that she could suck the marshmallow off of it and spit the pill out of her mouth. She wasn't getting what was good for her. We took little wainers and we'd stuff it in there and she would somehow or another chew it up and we'd open up her mouth and there tucked away in her jaw would be that pill. We took bread with peanut butter and rolled it up and finally she just got to where she'd put it in her mouth and just spit the whole thing back out because she knew that we were trying to trick her into taking something that she needed to have that was going to be good for her body. So what did we have to do? We had to open up her mouth, pull her tongue back and stuck that pill way down in her mouth and slam her mouth shut until she went, and then we knew she had taken what she needed to have. We've got some Christians in this world today that that's what we need to do to them as well. We need to anchor them down. We need to get them into a discipleship group. We need to get them into a Bible study. We need to get them one-on-one with a mentor until they understand the importance of getting what they need from God's Word. So here's the next question. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to maintain godliness? Here's another quote by D.L. Moody. He said this, and I quote, People have just enough religion to make themselves miserable. They cannot be happy at a wild party, and they are uncomfortable at a prayer meeting. That's because they have no plan to maintain godliness. Look. Your righteousness was given to you on the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You were justified. You were made a new Christian, but now you have to do something to maintain that walk with the Lord. Do you have a plan in place? You see, most people avoid Christianity because they think it's all about a list of things that you should not do. Some Christians, though, think that it's all about things that you should do. But here's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about pursuing God's identity for your life. It's not about our righteousness. It's about the righteousness that is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. But God has given each and every one of us a unique identity and a unique plan for our life. But we've got to have a plan in place to maintain that level of godliness that will make us more and more like Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. We could never maintain a righteousness on our own that is totally acceptable to a holy God. You just can't achieve that on your own. That's why we are clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he has given us his Holy Spirit to live within us, to teach us and to guide us how to live that Christian life in a way that is going to be pleasing to the Lord and it's going to grow us closer and closer to him. Dr. Christopher Yuan had this to say about it, and I quote, he said, the Christian life is much more than the avoidance of sinful behavior. If scriptural prohibitions 
are the only lens through which you see things, we may well miss the gospel. Here's what Psalm 23, verse 3 has to say. It's a psalm that we're all familiar with. But remember what the psalmist said? He said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his sake. Not necessarily for my sake. Those things are going to benefit me. Those things are going to make me look more and more like Jesus Christ. But it all points back to him, to give him the glory. It's not about, look what I've done. It's all about, look what he has done in my life. But unless you have a plan in place, you're going to fall flat on your face. Here's what righteousness is. Righteousness is a strong desire and willingness for life transformation. Thank God I'm not what I used to be, but I know that I'm nowhere near where I need to be right now. I'm not the man I used to be. Right now I'm a work in progress. That little kid's song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. He's got a plan for your life, but you must have a plan in place that will draw you closer and closer to the Lord each and every day of your life. Righteousness is a strong desire and willingness for life transformation to become a new creation that is bearing the image of God and to become as Christ-like as possible. Write down this verse, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. The apostle Paul asked this question. He says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And here's how you do it. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you being conformed to the world right now? Is your mind being filled with junk that you listen to on the TV and on the radio? Some of those social media sites, man, all they are are garbage. And they fill your mind with things that push you further and further away from the Lord. Until you replace those things with a good intake of God's word, praying to the Lord daily, sharing the good news of the gospel, you're not going to go anywhere in your walk with the Lord. Here's the deal. Your righteousness was delivered on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus died, here's what he did. He paid a debt that he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could never pay. Not only did he do that, but he took on our unrighteousness. He took on the sins of the world. My unrighteousness was placed on him at the cross of Calvary. And then in exchange for that, his righteousness was placed upon me the day that I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I don't deserve it. I can never earn it. But by his mercy and his grace, I'm clothed in his righteousness. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 
I want to read these verses for you. First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 21, it says, For to this you were called because of Christ, also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. This is the whole concept of where, what would Jesus do? If you remember uh, the bracelets, the necklace, WWJD, uh, this is where this came from, to follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Listen real close. Underline this if you haven't already. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray and have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You want to live a life of transformation? You want to live a life of godliness? You want to hunger and thirst after righteousness? You got to go to the cross. You're not going to find it any other place. And my last point, Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. This word filled here in the original language pictures the fattening of animals. They have consumed everything that their owner has provided to them. Their owner has provided them lush green fields to graze in, healthy streams to drink out of, And he's done it for a purpose of maintaining health in the flock that he owns. That's the picture of being filled as it is represented here in Matthew chapter 5 verse 6. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They're not hungering and thirsting after anything else. They're not hungering and thirsting after the ways of this world. They're not hungering and thirsting after things that are unhealthy to their body, soul, and their spirit. But he says, only those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, those are the ones that shall be filled. It's the same word that was used in Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, when Jesus fed the 5,000. It said afterward, they picked up all the baskets. There were still fragments that were left over. Everybody ate and they were filled. They were satisfied by what Jesus had provided them on that day. And the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.12, he says, I have learned to be both full and to be hungry. Hmm. The Apostle Paul was always hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And he says, I've learned that through that I can be filled as well. We have been called to Christ-likeness. It's not an easy task. And it takes a lot of intentionality. In Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, Paul says to imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So I've been giving you some different 
uh, definitions of the word blessed, depending on its context and the way it is used. Here in this beatitude, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteous. Meaning of the word blessed could mean this. It could mean content. It could mean that they are refreshed by God's grace. It could also mean that they are nourished by God's grace. Last scripture I want to read to you is this. Here's the invitation that God gives. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 and 3. Here's the invitation that God gives to anyone who is hungry and thirsting at this moment. He says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat, because it doesn't cost you anything. Salvation is full and free. He says, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? In other words, why are you wasting your time on things that aren't going to benefit you in your walk with Christ? Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and your soul shall delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here in your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And down in verses 6 and 7, he says this, also part of the invitation. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and watch what happens. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they won't just be filled a little bit. They'll be filled in abundance. They'll be filled in completion. They will be filled in a manner to where they are content with what God has provided them with. Is there a hungering going on in your life right now? Only Jesus Christ could satisfy that. Is there something that you are thirsting after? I mean, you are just dry, you're parched, you're dehydrated, and you don't know if you can go any further. Jesus said, if any man will thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Only Jesus will satisfy your life. Only Jesus will give you the contentment that you are looking for. And right now, if you're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness, what is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you are desiring in your life? You say, Brother Tracy, I I just have no clue what I'm after right now. I have no goal in mind. I have no plan in place. I'm pursuing after wrong things. Maybe you just need to surrender your life to the Lord today. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to give you that opportunity to do that today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you are a Christian.
Maybe you're struggling. Maybe there's some sin that uh, you're struggling with and you're dealing with. These altars are open. I, I would I would invite you to come and just pour your heart out to God. Say, God, I'm tired of fighting this. I want you to satisfy this hunger and this thirst that's in my heart right now. Or maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning you need to step out in faith. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And that there are none righteous, no, not one. We're all born with a sin nature. And until you come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you die in your sin, you'll spend eternity in a place called hell. But when you come to the Lord and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, when you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, when he was buried for three days in a borrowed tomb and he rose again after three days, when you believe in that, that's the point of faith that you start making that step closer to the Lord. When you cry out to him and say, God, forgive me of my sins and cleanse me, I believe that you are Lord and Savior and I want you to have full control of my life. It's at that moment that he saves you from your sin debt. Now, the ability to sin is still there, but your sin debt has been paid for. It's covered by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says we must also confess our sins to him. Whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. No if, and, or but about it. It's a promise that anyone that calls upon the Lord will be saved. And the Bible says in Romans 10 that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is a decision that you've ever made in your life. Maybe this morning that's a decision that you need to make. In just a moment when the music begins, you come down here and see me. Say, Brother Tracy, I don't know for sure where I'll spend eternity at, but I want to know for sure. And I'll tell you how you can leave this place this morning knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord, Savior, and Master of your life and that you'll spend eternity in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you so much. As your word says that those who pursue after righteousness, those who hunger and thirst after it, Lord God, those are the ones that you will fill. Those are the ones that you will give abundant life to. Those are the ones that you will make content. And I pray, Lord God, that each and every person here, no matter where they're at in their walk of life, if they're a Christian, Lord God, no matter how long they've been a Christian, I pray that some way or another that they would learn how to draw closer to you. That they would discover your plan and your purpose for their life. And they would make the necessary steps to draw closer to you in fulfilling that purpose. But Lord, if there's someone here who's not a child of God, I pray that their hearts would be touched by your Holy Spirit right now. That you would give them the boldness to come let me know about that decision that they need to make. And that today they can find new life in Jesus Christ. And we just ask it all in your name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. 
For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.